Hello and welcome to the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, the podcast that seeks to answer the question of what are we even doing here from a biblical perspective. This is in our own lives and the world in general. My name is Daryl and I'm here with... I'm by myself today and I'm... uh, We just wanted to post a special interview that I did a couple months ago with James Watkins of the Five Solos podcast. And this uh, interview was about perseverance of the saints. It's the P in the tulip in the doctrines of grace. We have total depravity. We have unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints, also called preservation of the saints. But James Watkins and I sat down and uh, we talked about the P in tulip. It was the end of his of his doctrines of grace series so go back and listen to his other episodes on the five solos podcast but uh we hope you enjoy this one that we have for you today and check out more at the christian podcast community Uh, what are we even doing here is a part of the christian podcast community now and we hope to get back to you next week we have a lot of good things coming your way we have some interviews coming up we have some very special guests and very special topics to discuss and so that you can know what we are even doing here. So enjoy this interview with James Watkins that he was uh, doing with me about preservation or perseverance of the saints. What's up, everyone? This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, James Watkins. Welcome to another episode of the Five Solas Podcast. Yes, I said friendly neighborhood podcast host. I'm stuck up on Avengers Endgame. Went and seen it on opening night. So we have been on a bit of a journey this month. We have gone through the Doctrines of Grace or TULIP, Total Depravity, Unconditional Election, Limited Atonement, Irresistible Grace. And today, sadly... The series comes to a close with perseverance of the saints. I know I don't want it to end either, but I promise you these teachings are much richer than what 45 minute episodes can capture. So I promise you that we are going to revisit these points over time to unravel them more because found within these points is the very magnification of God's glory and salvation. So special thanks to our special guests so far this month, the other James White, Lance Phelps, and of course, Frank Mullis. Thanks for joining me in these in this uh, series to unravel these incredible biblical truths. I've had a blast and am eternally thankful for the fellowship I've shared with you all this month. Well, except for that Frank Mullis guy. That was a, that's a little bit of a, of, a, of a character there. But look, we have one more point to go over perseverance of the saints. And I am not doing this episode alone. Of course, I'll be honest, this is the point that I have most been looking forward to going over. And joining me for this topic is a brother in Christ that I've recently had the privilege to begin to get to know, Daryl Updike of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. Daryl, I'm glad to have you. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. It's It's a pleasure. So you actually had a chance to meet with the uh, great Reverend Frank Mullis uh, mm-hmm. a few weeks back, right? Yeah, yeah. He uh, was speaking at the uh, the SufferCon in New Jersey, the Conference on Sanctification Through Suffering, and just an, an amazing presentation that uh, that he had. He spoke twice, and I was just totally blessed by, by what he had to say. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you look at him and say, what are you even doing here? <laughs> 
Yeah, I did. At, at the end. At the end, we introduced ourselves to him. Yeah. Like, what, what are you even doing here with this guy, Andrew Rappaport? Like, what, what, why do you even know him? <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure that we're going to work in flying demon babies at some oh, point. Of course, of course. Like, and that, that's how, like, it all started. Like, he actually had me hand in a question on the Q&A about who were the, the Nephilim. He's like, sneak this in there. <laughs> yeah, so that's a little bit of the backstory. You guys hear about the flying demon babies on every single episode, especially the ones that Frank and I do. And it's kind of a callback to who who are the Nephilim. Uh, is it the sons of God, the lineage of Seth, or is it the, uh, or is it the angels, or is it, who is it exactly? So we just kind of come up with a little joke that it's actually just flying demon babies. Mm-hmm. Daryl, I have thoroughly enjoyed you and your wife's podcast. Uh, what are we even doing here? So tell you what, I want to give you a little bit of a platform because I want people to hear it as well. So tell us a little bit about you, about your family, uh, mm-hmm. about your podcast, anything else that we should know. Yeah, uh, well, I've been a, a Christian for almost seven years. It'll be seven years in August. And, you know, I grew up Roman with a Roman Catholic background. But yeah, it wasn't until a few short years ago, basically, that I came to know the Lord and, and it was uh, had to do with my wife and I almost getting a divorce. So wow. that's why I'm so grateful to be able to do a podcast with her and do ministry with her. It's just amazing going from almost getting a divorce to now we're both believers in Christ and we just want the whole world to, to know the gospel. Praise God. And, and that's kind of the, the background for the, uh, the name of the podcast. What are we even doing here? Because we just look around sometimes and look at each other, just amazed at where God has brought us from where we were. And it's like, what are we even doing here? Like yeah. on so many levels, like we, we, we don't deserve this forgiveness that we have. We don't deserve for our marriage to be restored. And it's just amazing the grace of God and what he's done and continues to do. And so we started the podcast because we're always talking theology and, you know, both of us are reformed and it's great to be able to talk, you know, doctrine and, and share like RC Sproul stuff with her. And like, it's just amazing. So we wanted to, share what we're learning with other people. And like, like, like you said before, when you, when you were talking about our podcast, it's just basically we're sitting around just talking about theology. Like neither of us yeah. are theologians. I, I am going to uh, to seminary at Whitfield Theological Seminary, but it's taken me forever to get through class. So, but well, believe so me, I can identify with that. <laughs> I can identify. So I didn't, uh, actually, I didn't know that you had a Roman Catholic background. So that's kind of, that's, uh, that's a pretty huge swing in God's grace that you're going from that sort of background to discussing the person perseverance of the saints now yeah yeah and i think that's uh you know a good reason to to talk about perseverance of the saints because as i talk to roman catholics now they don't have that assurance of salvation and it's very sad and it's heartbreaking when when you ask a roman catholic are you saved are you going to heaven and they can't give you a straight up answer like or 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 they'll say well i'm going to purgatory which is even more heartbreaking to me yeah because that completely denies the sufficiency of the of the atonement on the cross yeah Um, so, so, you know, I, I'm assuming that that is the reason why you were, because I asked in the Christian podcast community, and of course, we're a member of the Christian podcast community at the Five Souls Podcast. Mm-hmm. And I asked on there, uh, who, if, if there were anyone that would like to come on and join me for the Tulip series. And, you know, people it just sort of uh, migrated to certain points. And I kind of went with first come first serve on it and you were the first one to jump up for perseverance of the saints and i'm glad to have you on i'm excited to discuss it with you especially from a roman catholic background i'd I'd really like to get into that Uh, so let's start out kind of like we've done on the previous episodes so let's just kind of give a little bit of a foundation here can you define for us exactly what perseverance of the saints is and i'm sure that we're going to get into a little bit of other terminology as well such as other names you know like total depravity i kind of prefer total inability Mm -hmm or 
So, and I kind of, on this one, I kind of lean more towards preservation of the Saints, but we'll get mm-hmm. into that. So, can you give us a definition of it? What exactly is perseverance of the Saints? What do we mean by that? Well, I'll tell you first what it's not. It's not that once saved, always saved, where you pray a prayer, you walk an aisle, you raise your hand, and you're good to go. Like, it's, that doesn't punch your ticket to heaven. That's not, that's not it. And I think sometimes there's the misconception of that's what we believe as Protestants, and yes. maybe some Protestants might say that's what they believe too. But as the Reformed believers, no, that's, that's not it. It's that God will finish the work he started in you. Right. That, uh, as it says, I believe it's in Philippians, you know, he that begins a good work in you will complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. So it's, it's God who's doing this work in us. Like salvation is completely of the Lord from beginning to end. So he will carry us through. And, but it's also us outwardly doing the work. So yes, it's perseverance of the saints. So it's we persevere, but it's him preserving us as well. So that's a pretty good definition right there. It's nice and simple to the point. And I like the way that you that you said that it's not this once saved, always saved. It's not the wall that I'll raise your hand in the very back and you're automatically saved. I, I, I come up through a, whenever I was first saved, about six years ago now, is I was saved in a very highly charismatic Pentecostal church that was prosperity gospel as well. And every single service, it was like, if you want to accept the Lord into your heart, raise your hand. Everybody mm. put your put your heads down, close your eyes. Oh, I see that hand in the back. Yeah. It's really that easy believism mm-hmm. that, that really creeps into the church. Yeah. So, and, and, and churches that do that, I'm not going to say that people can't be saved that way. Right. They right. can. And and if your church does that, it's great, but there should be some follow-up. Like, is there a follow-up with that? Is is the pastor and the elders following up with that person that raised that hand, that prays that prayer to disciple that? Yes. Because that's a huge thing. And, and if they're not, then that's, don't just check off that box and count that number as, hey, 50 people got saved today because they raised their hand. Like, are you sure? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, I have a really good friend, uh, Liz, that's probably about 90 miles away from me. He comes from a Roman Catholic background as well. I'm going to drive down uh, probably in the next next couple of months and have him share his testimony of salvation. But, you know, he tells a story of how he went over on into the mission field and they come to this place and they're preaching the gospel. People are saved. And so they do a follow-up like you were just saying. And they're talking to these people and they realize, hey, maybe that conversion isn't quite as genuine as what they're saying. So, and, and, and don't get me wrong, a very biblical guy, very sound in the preaching of his gospel. It was people who, you know, based upon, um, based upon review were genuinely converted, but also some that were making professions that didn't quite understand what they were professing. So, well, guys, right now we have a definition and a foundation in place. We are going to take a quick break, and we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this doctrine, and we'll be right back right after this quick message. Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report is a podcast providing biblical interpretations and applications. It is a ministry of striving for eternity and part of the Christian podcast community. We provide a biblical view of cultural events, discuss how to apply God's word to the Christian life, address issues that concern the church, and we even take some time to offer a correct understanding of those commonly misinterpreted passages of scripture. You will hear from great guests like Justin Peters, Todd Friel, Jay Warren Wallace, and Gabe Hughes. Andrew has the Rap Report Daily, which is a two-minute Monday through Friday podcast, and then the longer Rap Report podcast for more content. Subscribe to both today by searching for Rap Report on any podcast app, spelled R-A-P-P, Report, or click the podcast link at strivingforeternity.org. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Five Solas Podcast. This is your host, James Watkins, here with Daryl Updike of the What Are We Even 
doing here podcast. And the answer to that one for this podcast, is we are discussing perseverance of the saints. Daryl, I have a question for you. I've asked this on every single episode that we've that we've had is really is from the very first episode from the very get going is I made it a point to, you know, pretty much let people know that is if you have the T, if you have the total depravity, the rest just kind of flows into place. That's right. So, Exactly how does perseverance of the saints, preservation of the saints, how does that tie in with the other points of the doctrines of grace? Yeah, well, salvation is completely a work of God. It's a monergistic work. And if, if it, I always laugh when people will say I'm a four-point Calvinist, three-point. Like, you need them all. all of, you need all the points because if you take one away, then they, you, you, you can't say, oh, yeah, we're totally depraved. We're unconditionally elected, but, you know, definite atonement. Not really. Yeah. You can do that. So perseverance of the saints fits in because it, if if it if it's a monergistic work of God and the Holy Spirit in our heart bringing us to salvation without anything that we've done, and Jesus died for all His sheep, all His sheep will be saved, and His His grace is irresistible. We will be called in. We will be drawn by the Father. We will persevere because God saves and He finishes the work that He starts in us. I have, I was telling you before we got started that I have people who are on my friends list, people that I know, family, friends who are in that category of people who will say, yes, we can lose our salvation. And this point, perseverance of the saints, preservation of the saints has everything to do with that particular question. Can I lose my salvation? And I'm not going to give any Avengers Endgame spoilers, which at this point of the release of the podcast, you know, is it really a spoiler at that point? But spoiler alert for can I lose my salvation the answer to that is no there is a very distinct difference and you can attest to this coming from the roman catholic background between biblical christianity and every other religion which that that has a basis on this issue is you have a gospel of grace versus a gospel of works and this is inclusive of of other religions such as islam and buddhism it's do good do good do good right Um, within other portions that claim Christianity, such as Roman Catholicism, is you were saved by faith plus, 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 plus. So I want to get biblical with this because I think this one it has such a strong foundation within the scriptures. So I, first of all, I go to John chapter 10, verse 27 through 28. I love the gospel of John. It mm-hmm. is so strong within these points. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Daryl, I'm assuming that whenever you were a Roman Catholic that you've seen this verse before, right? You know what? Maybe I've seen it back then, but I, I really don't remember any Bible when I was Roman Catholic. Like during their mass, they, yeah, they read from the Bible, but it's not taught. Or maybe I just wasn't paying attention, but I think <laughs> it just wasn't taught. And I went to CCB, did all those things you had to do. Now, whenever you uh, were converted out of Roman Catholicism, did you have someone that was working with you coming out of that? Or were you just converted by your reading of the scriptures? Well, I was converted by a Kirk Cameron movie called Fireproof. Really? <laughs> yeah. Somebody gave me that movie who I was talking to about, you know, a friend of mine who was divorced. I asked her, when do you get divorced? And she said, don't get divorced. I wasn't expecting that coming from her, even though I knew she was a Christian. But she gave me the movie Fireproof. And that's how God kind of worked through that to save me because he showed me how I was acting. I don't know if, you know, the listeners have seen that movie Fireproof or if you've seen it. Yeah, so it wasn't really the scriptures per se, but it was the gospel being, being spoken in that movie and God changing my heart through that. And then after that, I started going to 
like a, a Christian church. It was part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. I don't know if you're familiar with, with that uh, denomination, but that you know, then I started hearing the scriptures more clearly and starting to fellowship and be discipled by other other believers. Frank and I kind of touched on it a little bit last week. Is that the Word of God does the work of God, mm-hmm. and that God's Word does not return void? And you know, it was the instance with Martin Luther. It was the instance of John Calvin. I believe that it was the instance with me because I was in a church preaching a false gospel. Here's the thing is that within that, you have someone who is quoting the word of God, reading the scriptures. And I mean, the word of God is power. (laughs) The gospel uh, is the power of God unto salvation and praise God that, you know, they might've been preaching a false Jesus, but they were reading from the the inerrant word of God. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So praise God to that. And so we can even go to Philippians chapter one, verse six, as you made reference to that earlier, Mm -hmm. that he is sure of this. The apostle Paul is sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. I mean, it's right there. Jesus isn't going to save you and then leave you by yourself. God isn't going to begin a good work in you and not finish that work. So we, we can't rely on ourselves or even even as believers, sometimes look at ourselves like and, and seeing how much we've messed up or I sinned this week. I didn't read the Bible this week. We start measuring ourselves against other people. We have to look to the Savior and look to his word and what he has promised to do. He's going to finish the work he started. Right. He doesn't just save you and say, oh, good luck. Maybe I'll see you at the end. Like, <laughs> That's not how it goes. <laughs> well, and that, you know, that kind of uh, moves us into another verse. And, you know, I cannot believe that it has taken us this long to get to these particular passages. I'm surprised that we didn't get to it whenever we did unconditional election, but it's Romans 8, 29 through 30. It says, for those whom he foreknew. Okay. So we, we really need to analyze that word just a little bit because it doesn't mean that God is looking through the corridors of time. Those whom he foreloved is really the best way to translate that. But even if, even if you deny that, is you have a God who is all-knowing, so of course he foreknows absolutely everyone. I mean, you really have to read that definition into that. This, to me, leads logically to open theism, is that if you have a God who, if, if he foreknows, meaning that he looks through the corridors of time, that means that there was a point where he did not have knowledge of something. Right. At what point does that stop? Uh, what what other events in history caught God by surprise to the point that he had to look through time to see what was going to happen? He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Notice that this is all something that God does. And we refer to this as the golden chain of redemption and praise God for that. Amen. Yeah. It's, it's, I love these verses. Like I read Romans eight several times, like just, just to start seeing that it's all a work of God. It's right there in front of you. He foreknew you. Like you said, it was a personal knowing, like he personally knew you. He didn't learn anything. And then, yeah, that golden chain predestined, justified, glorified. He will glorify like it's 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 right there. Yeah, it's it's all actions of God. Nothing that's dependent upon man. There is nothing right there that and, and you know, I know Calvinists have a very strong tendency. We we go to Romans nine. Don't get me wrong, Romans nine is a death blow to every other opposition. Not a, but you know, we forget a lot of times to stop right there and really marvel at that beauty that's in the end of Romans chapter eight. This is I mean, it's all a complete work of God. You go down to verse thirty three, it says it is God 
who justifies? I don't. I don't know if you. Did you ever see the debate uh, Dr. James White did with Leighton Flowers on Romans nine? Yes, I have. You know, with with Leighton Flowers is the the man is so well spoken. Mm-hmm. He is so well spoken that at, at at one point in time, I was just like I would listen to him just so I could get an understanding of what it is that he believes. You know, as as I know, he calls himself a traditionalist. Uh, well, no, now he's a provisionalist. He's provisionalist. A- that's it. That's it. Provisionalist. So you know, I was listening to him at one point, and I'm not I'm not going to question man salvation i'm not going to do right. that this this is a question that i'm going to pose whenever i do this episode is you know i don't there's a theological aspect to salvation right the spirit guides us into all truth you know and i don't believe you have to be a calvinist in order to be saved i'm not i'm not going to say that but at what point does the hostility towards the doctrines of grace and god's absolute sovereignty begin to you know, make you kind of question, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm going to, and we're going to go over that in a few weeks. I don't want to give too yeah. much away yeah. on it now, yeah. but you know, it's, it's something that I've really mm-hmm. been pondering over time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I can go on a whole rabbit trail there with Leighton Flowers. But the reason I brought that up was because Dr. James White in that debate, he didn't start in Romans nine, you know, cause we didn't have these chapter divisions when the Bible was written. He took it back to these he verses, to Romans eight, Romans eight and started there and, and exposited and exegetically went through verse by verse Unfortunately, that's not what happened from the other side. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's, I just wanted to make that point that, yeah, we go to Romans 9 as Calvinists, but I thought Dr. James White did an excellent job starting in Romans 8. Of course, it's Dr. James White. I know, right? <laughs> You know, I, I'm, you know, we are, um, we are incredibly blessed time of history that we are in right now. We have champions of the faith, you know, just so readily available to us through the internet, through, I mean, we can go to conferences. We can, we can get on a plane and be in another state in a matter of a couple of hours to hear these, these warriors of the faith speak. I mean, you've, you've got guys like James White, who I, who I would say is probably one of the best apologists of our time, if not the best. Uh, of course, you've got people like Vody Bacham. I've gotten to meet Vody a couple of times at the G3 conference. R.C. Sproul. I'm a, I'm a Baptist, and on every single episode of this, <laughs> R.C. Sproul has been mentioned and quoted more than more than another Baptist, John MacArthur, <laughs> who was no slouch in the area of the doctrines. Yeah. And, and that's actually those two guys were what brought me to the Reformed faith because I was just listening to them on the local Christian radio station and I heard John MacArthur speaking about election. And when I first heard that, I was actually upset. I was like, what do you mean? Like, what? And I didn't get it. And then I started reading the scriptures and I'm like, it's there. It's there. And then R.C. Sproul was on the same station. I started listening. I'm like, man, these guys are unpacking the word. And it's, it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, that was really the vast difference between where I come from at the church that I was in compared to what I got as soon as I started realizing the doctrines of grace. Mm. Is that these guys were just so focused, uh, a lot less on emotional manipulation and actually telling you and breaking down what God's word says. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's it's just it's a shame that the sufficiency of scripture is in question the way that it is now. If you don't have this kind of experience and you're not saved, if you don't speak in tongues whenever you're baptized, you're not saved. And it's a shame because the word of God is enough. It is sufficient. And the word of God tells us, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, and this includes yourself, Yes, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus 
our Lord. I remember in that uh, church that we were in, and I'm I'm curious to hear the way that the Roman Catholic Church kind of kind of brought up the the loss of salvation to you guys within a within uh, an individual basis. Because I remember going to a pastor not long after I was. I was saved. I do believe that. I don't believe I was a false convert in the church. I believe that God saved me whenever he saved me. And I started getting a lot of questions. And I remember asking him, I was like, can you lose your salvation? It's one of the first questions I asked. Mm -hmm. I was concerned about it because I do not like my actions. I do the very thing that I hate. And I remember the answer that he gave me. It was, I don't believe that you can lose your salvation, but you can give it away. According to Romans 8, 38 through 39, you can't even give it away. So, no. I love that you pointed out when you said anything else in all creation, including ourselves, yeah. right? Because we're in creation. We, we are creatures. Yeah. And we can't separate ourselves. If we, if we are in Christ Jesus, we are in. We can't separate ourselves. And that's what, even even the verse that says, uh, when Jesus says, you are in my hand and the, you are in the Father's hand, you know, it's that double, double-fisted hand that we're in. What I've heard from other people is, oh, well, you can jump out. I was like, what? What do you mean you can jump out? Like, no, he's got you. You got two hands around you. You got the son's hand and the father's hand around you. You're not going to jump out. No one can snatch you out. You're not going to wiggle your way out of his fingers. It's a grip that he has on you. You're not getting out. Yeah. And you know, we haven't, we haven't dove into the Trinitarian aspect of salvation. And like I said, these are, these points, the, the any doctrine of salvation whatsoever is so incredibly deep that you just can't hit on it in 45 minutes. No. There, there's just no way whatsoever. And so what I love is that you see the Trinity at work in salvation. You see the Father choosing a people to save. You see the Son coming in time to redeem those people. And then you see the Holy Spirit raising people from spiritual death to spiritual life. We're in the hands of the Father, in the hands of the Son. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. And I, you know, I, did, I didn't prepare you for this one, but I didn't. People, people don't know. Uh, I am so OCD in preparation. <laughs> one of the earlier episodes I did, because it was one thing that uh, I know a lot of podcasters like to do. This, podcasting isn't easy. You, I mean, you can attest to that, right? Yeah. 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 So a lot of things, uh, whenever we're doing interviews and all, we'll send kind of outlines and maps just to make it a little easier to flow. And we've blown off a little bit on this one. I'm actually a little proud. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, one of the earlier episodes I did, I sent the map over and someone, someone was like, man, those, that's detailed. No, I was like, no, 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 don't feel bad. That's, that's from like sermon notes that I've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah when, I, when I saw it, I'm like, man, uh, this is awesome. I never prepare this much. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, is what I have respected about every single person that's come on. And, and I've seen that you posted a photo last night of you doing your studies. It says that everybody has come on and done their due diligence. And mm-hmm. the reason I respect that is because we are speaking about the very God of creation. The God that hung Jupiter is the one that we are speaking of here. And mm-hmm. it is not something that we that anyone should take lightly. So moving a little bit more into it. I didn't prepare you for this one, but I'm kind of curious how the Roman Catholic Church, like if you were to speak with a priest one-on-one, and and maybe you had this experience, maybe you didn't, but whenever they are posed with that question of, can I lose my salvation? I mean, how do they typically respond to it? Is it it more so, well, you got to do this work, this work, this work? Right. Well, I've never had a discussion with a priest about it, but I've talked to a few of my Roman Catholic friends, and of course, 
get into the occasional online debate. I'm actually in, in this like Catholic Protestant dialogue group on Facebook that I try not to interact with because a lot of their arguments are straw man arguments. But th- yeah. this is what, what, I've, what I've heard before, what I, what I see. When, when you're born, you're born with original sin. Mm-hmm. And then you get baptized. And you know it's almost like a baptismal regeneration. So that's your, yeah. your born again experience. Uh, your sins are washed. You're, you're clean now. So you get a clean slate. And then you move and then you're going to sin. So then you have to make the next sacrament, which is penance, where you go and make your first confession to a priest. And then you're absolved. And then your next sacrament is first communion. So in between that time, if you sin, then you're forgiven again. And all this, uh, all this time, you also have mass. So every time there's a mass, they believe that they're re-sacrificing Christ. So that he actually comes down and the, and the priest actually says, Lord, accept the sacrifice at your hands. So the priest is offering up Christ. So again, then you're atoned for again. And then you step out of mass and then you can sin again. Then you go back to mass and then it's, you're, you're on this continual, almost like treadmill. And you, you, never, you can never get off the treadmill. And then if, if you die without unconfessed sins, then you go to purgatory. E- even that. So and, But they will say that they're saved, but they still have to go and be purged of their sin make satispasio. So this that's how I, I see it. Now, would they explain it that way? They would yeah. redefine terms and, and make it sound not like that. But that's that's what it is. I mean, if you're honest about it, yeah. and, and you never know. And then they also teach this, that if you if you assume that you're saved, and it's a sin, it's the sin of presumption, that you, you presume that, that you're, you're going to heaven, you can't just presume that you don't know that. That's, that's what they'll tell you. You can't ever know. So you're in this constant state of you have to do good works, you know, because like you said before in the opening, it's faith plus works, faith plus sacraments, faith plus, you know, and, and they think, at least the Roman Catholics that I've talked to, when they think when we say faith alone, it's just faith. But they don't realize, no, it's my faith in Christ. It's right. him that saves me. He's the one that saves me. It's not my faith that saves me. It's my faith in whom it's in. But. And, and you know, you're, you're saying that is why they can really never have that assurance. It sounds exactly like Islam is they can never have assurance. Muhammad had no assurance whatsoever. And he's this mighty prophet of Allah. He has no assurance whatsoever where he's going, much mm-hmm. less the followers today. I mean, you're following Allah and you don't even know if your main prophet is, but you know, that's another can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> But, but uh, it's the same thing, like even with Mormons, I talk a lot with Mormons because yeah. for some reason they seem to contact me and I welcome them in my home. I, I ask that same question, like if you die right now, are you going to heaven? And they've all given me kind of different answers, but it's it, they don't have that assurance. They, yeah. they can't, they don't know. Yeah. And you know, the, the scary thing is, is that you talk about going to uh, purgatory uh, for sins that you haven't confessed or, you know, what, whatever, they, however they want to word it, right, is... Here's the thing. What about these sins that you don't realize are sin? What about what about pride? I'm a very prideful person, and sometimes I don't even realize that I'm being prideful. What about that sin that I haven't confessed? I mean, am I in danger because of unconfessed sin that I'm unaware of? You know, it's a slippery slope. And that really goes back to within the definition of perseverance of the saints is, and that's why I, I think I like the terminology of preservation of the saints a little bit better because perseverance can imply that it's something in and of ourselves that holds us until the end. Whereas preservation will teach that it is God who preserves his elect eternally, but we will persevere because God preserves what you, what you alluded to earlier and that none of the elect will ever be lost. And there are a few points that, that I 
went down kind of an apologetic to it. And I've gotten pretty strong in this apologetic because I've been confronted by Mormons. I've been confronted by Jehovah's Witnesses. I've dialogued with Roman Catholics. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Uh, I posted in the Christian podcast community a while back. And, you know, and I have no idea how it even escalated into this. Uh, The question was, if there's anyone in the group who has been in a false gospel or false cult, and I've named such as uh, uh, Roman Catholicism, Mormonism, prosperity gospel, anything like that. I'd love to have you on the podcast and let's discuss your conversion. And somebody commented on there, it's very concerning that Roman Catholics are not a false gospel or a false cult. That is, that was very concerning to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I eventually just cut off conversation on it. It is Mm -hmm. really no fruit to be had from it. But the, one of the apologetics, and I had Jehovah's Witnesses blacklist me by going over this with them, is that we cannot lose our salvation because Jesus does the will of the Father and was pleasing to the Father. And I go to John eight twenty nine, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. So if Jesus always does the will of the Father, What's the will of the Father for the Son? John six thirty nine, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Now, we can get logical with this. If Jesus always does the will of the Father, and the will of the Father is that Jesus lose none of all that has been given to him, but raise it up on the last day, if Christ loses even just one He is not doing the will of the Father, which means he is in sin, which means he can make no atonement for anyone. We still have a lot more to to go and unpack here. I'm enjoying the conversation with Daryl. I love this topic so much, but we have a lot more to unpack, and we are going to do that right after this quick break. Hey, I'm Daryl, and I'm here with my wife, Karen. What's up? And we're the hosts of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. The podcast that seeks to answer the question that we all asked, what are we even doing here? We cover topics such as marriage, family, life, and living a Christian life in this crazy world. We don't have all the answers, but we know where to look. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud as we seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Five Solas Podcast. This is James Watkins, still here with Daryl Updike of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, discussing the doctrine of the preservation slash perseverance of the saints. So, Daryl, last night, you know, I say last night like I'm releasing this podcast in a little bit. I, I always do that. Yeah. I don't even know what day it is right now. I'm, I'm, I'm so mixed up. It is the 26th that we are recording this. Last night, Frank Mullis kept me out way past my bedtime. We went to see Avengers Endgame at 1030. I had to be at work at, at 7 this morning. Ugh. We didn't get out of the theater until like 2 o'clock in the morning. But I'm sitting in a theater right before the movie starts, and this is what I was talking about with everyone that's come on is that they have done their due diligence, and I respect that, and I'm so appreciative of that. And i seen where you had posted a picture that you were doing some pretty deep study, and i seen that you were studying the Canons of Dort. Mm -hmm. That's a beauty right there. Yeah. Kind of tell us a little bit um, about your studies on this. I mean, of course, you know, if you're holding to Reformed theology, you're familiar with it. If your seminary challenges you to evaluate all of these beliefs mm-hmm. and to really make a stronghold of these beliefs and, and rest it on Scripture. But tell us a little bit about your studies within this particular point and what you have found through your study within the Canons of Dort. 
Well, you know, a few months ago, um, I just started reading through the canons of Dort because, you know, as Calvinists, we should know, I believe, what documents, you know, came about and why they came about. You know, the, the canons of Dort was kind of like a reaction to or a, a defense of the, what the reforms, reformers believed against the Arminians, the followers of Jacob Arminius, who they had their five points. So they kind of had this council and came up with, in uh, Dort, Dort checked. I don't, I'm not familiar with my, <laughs> we'll just say Dort. There uh, you go. <laughs> but, they, they, you know, they, they kind of answered back to the five points of what the Arminians did. So I figured I would read through some of, uh, of the perseverance of the saints, of what, what they came up with. So just... I'll read one, Article 9, of the preservation of the elect to salvation and of their perseverance in faith, true believers for themselves may and do obtain assurance according to the measure of their faith, whereby they arrive at the certain persuasion that they ever will continue true and living members of the church, and that they experience forgiveness of sins and will at last inherit eternal life. So to me, that article is saying that believers can have assurance. Right. And it uses both words that were preservation and perseverance. So I want to move into another area of this discussion as well, because we cannot deny, if, if we're being honest, we cannot deny that there are passages that seem to warn that we can lose our salvation. So for starters, obviously we're doing the, the teaching of perseverance of the saints, preservation of the saints. We cannot lose our salvation. Anyone that is listening right now, if you are holding that you can lose your salvation, you are trying to work your way into heaven and your works are as filthy racks. Yeah. You cannot earn your way into heaven. Salvation is of the Lord completely and totally. And I urge you, please, to place your faith alone in Jesus Christ. Because you can say that you have faith in Jesus Christ. But if it's faith, if you say faith alone and you add something to it, you are completely disrupting sola fide at that point. Mm -hmm. So for starters, no, we cannot lose our salvation. We have to, however, deal with a couple of questions. One, if we can't lose our salvation, then why are there so many warning passages that imply that we can't? And two, how do we overcome certain verses that seem to say that we can lose our salvation? So Daryl, you actually... Uh, like I said, whenever I asked uh, who wanted to do these episodes with me, you were, it was like first come first serve. Andrew Rappaport wanted to do this episode. <laughs> he would probably do it a little bit better than me. Uh, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't know. Don't, don't swell his head up. Uh, okay. <laughs> you got to meet him in person. You seen how big his head was already. So, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, um, yeah, I, I greatly respect Andrew. Uh, as far as like his dedication to actual biblical interpretation and exegesis of the scriptures, is there? There's really not many people who have that deep in respect for the scriptures. So yeah. I greatly appreciate that. That's one thing that I like about Andrew is that whenever you look at these warning passages, is that you have to apply proper biblical interpretation. Context, 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 right? Mm -hmm. That's that's what we hear. So there are there are a couple of scriptures that I'm going to go over. Of course, there are more. But here's the thing is, and, and Reformed people, Calvinists, this is the same for you too. You cannot formulate your doctrine upon one verse. If you do that, that is very dangerous. That's not handling the text of scriptures. You have to take the whole 
counsel of God into consideration. So why are there so many passages that seem to imply that we can lose our salvation? I sent over two points. Uh, if, you know, if, if you disagree with them or if you have any other points, I mean, this is just kind of what I had at the at the onset of it. It's number one, so that we will make our election sure. That's Second Peter mm-hmm. verse, chapter 1, verse 10. We are told to examine ourselves, 2 mm-hmm. Corinthians 13, 5. And two, is it equips the church to identify apostates. So anything that you would add to that or? Yeah. And I'd like, again, to bring up Dr. James White, when, when he gets into debates about this, he often says that these verses are also descriptive, not prescriptive. So it's describing the way a Christian will live. And what what I always take away from warning passages, if you're not saved, you're not going to care what these warning passages say. Like you're not going to heed the warnings. You're not going to, you're not going to examine yourself to see if you're just going to, keep on living and, and living in sin and or whatever you're doing. You're not going to care what the word says. Whenever I was coming out of the Pentecostalism, whenever I was, because I come from an atheistic background as well. And so, you know, I, I went from never going, stepping foot into a church, to stepping foot into a church and God saving me pretty radically after my suicide rush in, all this and that. But mm-hmm. whenever I was you know, still learning theology whenever I was starting to formulate my doctrinal stances. There were two portions of scripture that gave me fits more than anything. The first one is Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, it's, if, if you do not put in diligent study on this to actually see what it is that God is saying, because all scripture is God breathed, then this could be a little bit of a hiccup. So I'm just going to read a couple of the passages in Hebrews chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 4. And and let's really pay attention to the wording that's given here. What it, what we have to say, look at is what the verse is actually saying versus what it is not saying, and whether or not we are inserting anything into the text. That's eisegesis. Hebrews chapter 6, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. And Daryl, you spoke about this a little bit ago as far as mass, is that is really what they are doing with this, is they are crucifying Jesus Christ every single time. Right. So first of all, per verse four, if you can lose your salvation, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit. Per verse four, if you can lose your salvation, you can never get it back. So all of this getting saved over and over again is a no-go per your theology and on a consistent basis. Second, the word enlightened here is not equal to the word of regeneration or synonymous with saved. You have to read that into the text here. You can be enlightened without being born again. It says they have tasted the goodness of the word of God. And I really don't get why this is so difficult for people to grasp. There are goats among the sheep. There are goats within the church who week after week hear the gospel. And Daryl, I'm sure it's, you know, seeming Bible-believing people who turn from the faith. We've all experienced it. 
Yeah. And then what it makes me think of is when Jesus tells the parable of the sower and the seed, you know, the, the seed that fell on the road, the seed that fell among thorns that, or, and then there's the seed that goes into the, the, the good soil yeah. and it, it brings, it brings a, a crop. Like all of those people that Jesus is, is telling in that parable where the seed grew up, it was choked out or it, it fell away. He's people who heard the word and received it with joy. Yeah. To me, it's reflective of what, what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here. Yeah. Those who have been enlightened, but then, fall away right it wasn't in the good soil so i mean they're being enlightened they're week after week they're hearing the gospel look i know at our church and you know me and frank kid a lot frank is a great pastor he really is every single week at the church he shares the gospel clearly and definitively no compromising whatsoever in the gospel and i'm not saying that we have lost people in our church at all (laughs) so i don't know if any of our members listen to the podcast but you know if you do i'm not saying that any of you are lost i'm just saying that it's possible for a lost person to sit within the church to hear the gospel thus being enlightened sharing in the Holy Spirit, perhaps partaking in the Lord's Supper. These people fall away. There are false converts who are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Baby. They showed a glimpse of repentance, which is a change of mind, but they fall away. They go back to their old ways because they have not been made a new creature. And this is at the heart of it here, is that God preserves those who have been made new. And what does Jesus say? that he will lose none. So here in Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 4, you have either Jesus not doing the will of the Father and in sin as a result, or this is an exegetical issue since Scripture does not contradict. So I think many will say that Simon the sorcerer was someone who lost their salvation. I'm not sure if you ever heard that, Daryl, but I think this is more so of an example of one of the early false converts. I don't think that's a a losing of the salvation there. No, and like you said, within our churches, there's people who are unsaved in the pews, people who are who have been going to church all their life who who are unsaved, which is why pastors need to preach the gospel week in, week out, and be clear. But it's like, you know, the wheat and the tares. The wheat and the tares grow together. And it's God who ultimately will separate them at the end, just like the sheep and the goats. Goats don't become sheep. There's goats, but Jesus knows his sheep. His sheep know him. So ultimately, the, the sheep will come to him. And, you know, you guys did a podcast episode a few weeks back about sharing the gospel with your family. And I know somewhere kind of along our family line somewhere is we have Jehovah's Witnesses in our family. We have people in our family who believe that they're saved and they're not. Yeah, that's a can of worms. But, (laughs) you know, I mean, but the people that believe that they are saved, these are the hardest people to evangelize to because they are enlightened with interest or partaking of the Holy Spirit. You know, maybe the sense of pride, but you know, and, and this kind of goes back to, you know, there is a little bit of theology, not not as the cause of our salvation, but the Spirit guides us into all truth, is that adherence to certain doctrinal points is kind of can be kind of telling. You know, are you holding to a gospel of works, a gospel of grace? Are you denying the deity of Christ? Are you denying the doctrine of the Trinity? And don't get me wrong here. There's a fundamental difference between being ignorant of, of a doctrine and flat out denying. There's a distinction that has to be made there. Definitely. There's another uh, scripture, you know, we just went over Hebrews 6, and by no means is that a comprehensive exegesis of the passage. Again, 45-minute show, a lot of scripture. Yeah. Frank Mullis went over this one a little bit. And what did you think about Frank Mullis, by the way? What do I think of him? Uh, do I don't know. Frank Mullis? He talks about these flying demon babies all the time, and... 
No, Frank, I think it was great. Like, like I said before, at the conference, spoke very well. When he's on your podcast, he tries to take over. And no, <laughs> no but like, like I think like you were saying that he's a good pastor. I can sense that in how he talks, like that he cares. He generally cares about people. I think you're very blessed to have him. And I, we were encouraged on, I think, your, your last podcast where he said he was blessed by us, by yeah. my wife and I. Yeah. And we were like, wow, like we, we didn't really, we don't really know him that well. But that's, you know, something that I'll, I'll say that being a believer and being a part of the body of Christ it's awesome because everywhere you go and you meet believers, like you feel like you've known them, like they are your family. You can trust them. Like, like even you, I, this is the first time I'm, I'm seeing you like face to face kind of here yeah. and talking to you. It's like, but this whole, whole process leading up to this episode, like, you know, you're, I know you're a brother in Christ and it's just amazing. I, I definitely appreciate this is the first time I'm a guest on a podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you know, to be honest with you, I have guests on the show because I suck on my own. So I just- <laughs> Well, that's why I have my wife with me. She's usually the better. Yeah. I had her on. <laughs> yeah, and uh, something Daryl and I have in common too is uh, is when because we're on a Zoom conversation right now, so a video chat we're recording. And uh, so I noticed that you know he he was calling his wife over to help out with the technical spot of, and I was like, so we have that in common because my mm-hmm. wife is the technical brain behind this. So he who finds a wife has a good thing, right? Amen. Daryl and his wife, you know, they're I, like I said, I, I'm gonna. I, Praise our podcast. They do a phenomenal job. I enjoy it very much. If you haven't listened to it, what are we even doing here? Listen to it. Great people. Enjoyed them so much. One thing that I admire about it is that you guys are so quick to go to the scriptures. And, that, and that's something that, you know, I hope that I hope that people see that about this entire series that we've done here is that, you know, we can, it's like Frank said, we can, we can talk theology all day. But if, if we don't say what God says, then really we're just we're just blabbing. That's why I wanted to go to the scriptures with John 10, what Jesus said, uh, completes the good work in us. Jesus doing the will of the Father. This, I mean, that's huge. And that's why I wanted to go to the, some of these warning passages and talk about mm-hmm. that. And there's another one here. And Frank discussed this one the other week. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. And But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves a swift destruction. First things first, false teachers have always been false teachers. Goats have always been goats. Sheep don't become goats. Goats don't become sheep. It says false prophets arose among you. There will be false teachers among you. Who is the you? Audience. Context. Established audience here. It's the elect per 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. To the elect exiles, the saved, the beloved. So there are false prophets among the elect, false teachers among the elect. These are people who may give an outward appearance of salvation. That's why it says denying the master who bought them. Though we know from Matthew 7, Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. And he laid down his life for his sheep. We can't formulate a doctrine upon this one verse. Daryl, in your opinion, what is the scariest words that you could possibly hear on your day of judgment? Away from me, I never knew you and that is that is terrifying <laughs> right and that's and i tell people that like I, yeah i want you to know jesus but more importantly i want him to know you yes yes like you can say you know him but does he know you do you know anyone who has professed at one point to be a christian who has fallen away converted to another religion or become an atheist anything like that 
I don't know offhand that specifically, but I do know people who were solidly following Jesus, outwardly living a, a good Christian life, who now I see living a sinful lifestyle. So yeah, so they haven't necessarily gone to a false religion, but I don't like they stopped going to church. Probably some sexual sin going on, and it, it's just heartbreaking because some some of these people were like the first people who helped me when I became a Christian, and now you see this, and I just I just pray for them and. and Who's to say? And I, I just pray that God would bring them back. And that's usually my prayer, bring them back. Because I, you can, I, I believe you can, for a season, fall into sin. Not If you're truly saved, though, you, you will come back. And, you know, you alluded to this uh, at the very beginning with the once saved, always saved kind of mindset within the church. I know people who have professed to be Christians. You know, on Facebook, you know, it's rampant. I used to be a Christian. I'm an atheist now. You know, there are those people. But also, as I know people personally who have a sense of assurance of salvation because they were dipped in water mm. at some point in their life. Well, I've been baptized. I'm safe. I'm good. It's like, oh, sola fide. <laughs> <laughs> but how do we deal with that? I ended up removing him from my friends list, but I had someone, it was it was just so heartbreaking. I just couldn't watch it anymore. But it was someone, he, he was such an avid defender of the doctrines of grace. He went into Catholicism. Oh. Uh, yeah, and now he is a proponent for communism. It, it was a it was a huge wow. decline. But I also know people who uh, who have you know I, I was a Christian. Now I'm an atheist. And how do we explain that though? I mean, because we can't deny it. I mean, there are people who make this claim. Why are you not a Christian? And it's like, well, number one is you haven't been born again. That was a requirement given by Jesus to, in, to Nicodemus in John three. Is you must be born again. We can't deny that there are people out there who were once a part of the church being enlightened, as Hebrews 6 was saying, partaking maybe of the Lord's Supper, maybe they've been baptized. Who knows? But how do we explain this? There are people who were once professing Christians, now they're atheists. Did they lose their salvation? No, I don't I, I don't think they lost it. Either they never had it or they're falling away for a season. But what, what's hard is when you talk to that person, because that person will say, oh, I truly believed. I really believed. I, I, I did. There was a time when I believed. But did you really believe? Can you articulate the gospel? Can you do you know like the the scriptures? Are you familiar? Because people know them. People say they read the Bible. Well, demons believe. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, even even Satan knows scripture, right? Because he was uh, whenever he was tempting Jesus, he was given scripture. Uh, but what did Jesus answer back with? Scripture. So I think that there is, you know, you go back to that once saved, always saved mentality. Frank told me, he was like, yeah, yeah, to touch on that once saved, always saved thing. And I was like, yeah, I think he kind of got to. And I told him, I said, you know, I, I kind of like to say, if you're saved, you're saved. That's kind of I-S-Y-S. So instead of... <laughs> Instead of O-S-A-S, I-S-Y-S, I guess. doesn't quite have the ring to it, but a little bit more biblical. But So how do we explain that? These people who are saying, and I have I have a lot of brothers in Christ who do a lot of street evangelism, handing out tracts. Says, oh, no, no, I used to be a Christian. If if you're not in Christ now, you were never in Christ to begin with. Right. That's what 1 John chapter 2, verse 19 tells us. They went out from us but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. And this sounds an awful lot like Judas Iscariot, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Not one instance, and people can argue Simon the Sorcerer, but you know, like I said, I think that's a, a false convert there. But there is not one instance 
of a person in scripture who was regenerated who become unregenerate. Maybe you can clarify this for the on the Roman Catholic side. Whenever they teach this loss of salvation, you know, of course they're they're going to they're going to agree with John three that you must be born again. That's what we mean right. by regeneration. Yeah. Is do they? Is it a belief that you're regenerate and then you lose your salvation, you become unregenerate, and then you become regenerate again? Is it an on-off cycle or? Well, I believe what the, how they would interpret it, interpret John three is baptism because you must be born again of the water, water and the spirit, and they take that as see it's water and spirit, so you must you must be baptized. And of course, they'll they'll point to early church fathers who might have written about that because you know they own church history. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, and if if you pay them enough, you can take time off of your purgatory sentence. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know that's, that's the scary part, and and not even just speaking of the Roman Catholics here. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. that, that's really my challenge to those who are teaching to lose your salvation and get it back. Um, because according mm-hmm. to Hebrews 6, salvation can never be gained again if you lose it. Is right. are, are you teaching that you're regenerate, then you become unregenerate, then regenerate again? Come on, shoot me over a message. Let's talk about it. I'd love to have you right. on. You know, again, I think it's it's poor exegesis on their part because Jesus is referring back to Ezekiel of getting a new heart yep. and being born again of, of the spirit. I will sprinkle you with clean water. So it, we have to, like you said before, the context, who is Jesus talking to? What, why is he using this language? He says, you're, you're a teacher and you don't know this. Nicodemus should have known what the old Testament has said about Absolutely this. Absolutely should have. Absolutely should have. So we need to take scripture, what it's saying there, and as a whole, like what is this reference to? You know, so it's not, oh, it's water, so it must be baptism. We're born again in baptism. And yeah, Rome would say that, yeah, you can lose your salvation again, and then you have to make the next sacrament, and you have to make the next sacrament, and it it continues on. And that's what we see with most false religions, or all false religions, is it's a merit system, merit based system. You know, we maybe there's faith, but then there's our own merit, so you never know. So I know that you said that you have, uh, you've discussed with Mormons quite a bit, right? Yes. Have you ever asked, I've, I've asked them, I've asked them, have you ever lost your salvation? And I have not met one, even online, who says that they have lost their salvation. I have not met one, and I just want to meet that one person so I can go over Hebrews 6 with them, because you can't get it back. Yeah, well, I asked one Mormon missionary, one of the uh, Mormon sisters that met with us once, if you died right now, where do you go? And she said, well, I hope I would go to heaven. Like, you hope? And I read Romans 8 to her. I was like, hold on, let me read this to you. Like, you can know right now before you leave today. You don't have to hope I go to heaven. You yeah. can know. And that's, it just, it's just heartbreaking when you hear responses like that. Like, the Mormons are the most sincere people, loving people, like, at least the ones I've interacted with, yet they're all, like, 18 or 19. Like, <laughs> like man. Yeah, really, they're all so young. And most of the ones you come in contact with have only been on the mission field for, like, three months. I think I'll, I'll probably be blacklisted from them pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as you're giving the gospel, blacklist away. Yeah. But, you know, is there? there's also something else that, that really kind of bothers me as well, is that they really can't give a qualification for what it takes to lose your salvation. Now, of course, they'll, they'll agree to big sins. You know, if you murder someone, you lose your salvation. If you mm-hmm. commit adultery, you'll lose your salvation. How many little white lies? Which, which sins calls it apart from the big ones calls you to lose your salvation because if you say you have no sin per first john chapter 1 verse 8 if you say you have no sin the truth is not in you 
what sins cause you to lose your salvation? What sins is it okay for you to commit? I mean, what is this contingent upon? If if you commit a sin, if you tell a little white lie, if you can pe- confess right then and there, are you okay? What if you forget to confess it? Let, let's get that qualified. And that, and that's what that's why I'm challenging people. You know, if you have this this belief system, I'm willing to have you on. I mean, we can have a civil conversation. You know, we'll do just like me and Daryl are doing right now on Zoom. If if you don't want it aired on the podcast, fine. Let's just talk. But here's the thing: we hear all the time about stumbling, or stumbling is not synonymous with becoming unregenerate. Uh, just because you stumble doesn't mean that oh, you're born again. Nope, never mind. You're back to spiritual death. You have been raised to new life in Jesus Christ, given eyes to see, ears to hear, heart of stone transformed into a heart of flesh, all by the sovereign work and grace of God. That is why we rest in the grace of God. That's why his grace is sufficient. That's why whenever Paul is imprisoned, wherever he's at, that's why he can say, I do the very things I hate, but he can rest knowing that God's grace is sufficient. Amen. So, Daryl, I have a quick question for you because, like I said, this is the one that I've been anxious to go over ever since we started. Is this, is adhering to being able to lose your salvation, not adhering to God preserving you to the end, is this a gospel issue? Yeah, it's it's definitely a gospel issue. I believe it's a huge gospel issue because we're, we're, we, like I said earlier, we're saved by faith in Christ. So if, if we constantly question if we're saved, do we truly have faith in the finished work of Christ? And it's it's him who saves us. So we must trust that he will finish that work in us. So do we truly understand the gospel? Do we truly understand grace and mercy? If, if we continue to work for it and you never know if you're saved and you're constantly like doing things to try to be saved or you're constantly worried, then do you have that hope? Is your hope secure? And, and why did Jesus die on the cross? He didn't die on the cross so I can now do this work. And that's what a lot of false religions and religions that ape Christianity have. Yes, we have the crucifixion of Christ. But now you must do this. Well, no, he said it is finished. He said to tell us die. So I must trust in his finished work and his perfect obedience in his life, his obedience in death on the cross and his resurrection. Like, what was that for? If now I have to go and do, 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 and I can never know if he truly died for me. It kind of undermines what he says whenever he said it was finished. Now, going back to that conversation that I, I was referring to earlier um, with the guy saying that, you know, Roman Catholicism isn't a cult or a false gospel, is he made the argument, well, the, the thing is, is that the Roman Catholics, they believe in the deity of Christ, they believe in the Trinity, they believe in Jesus' perfect life, his crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah, that, that's all well and good. A Mormon will make that same claim. A Jehovah's Witness will make that same claim. It's the fine lines in between that differentiate what we mean whenever we're using that language. Yeah, words have definitions. Words have meaning. Yes. So when they say salvation, they have a different term than what we believe salvation is. And Rome, you know, I feel like we're picking on Rome a lot today, but but they add to the gospel. And in Galatians, Paul says, if if even an angel preaches another gospel, let them be anathema. Let them be accursed. And they were just adding circumcision to it. They're saying, yeah, you can believe in Christ. That's yeah. great. But now you must be circumcised. You must become a Jew in order to be saved. Yeah. And that's what Rome does is like they, they'll add all these other things. It's almost like they made like in, in my head when I think about it, they made new law. So, yeah, they'll say like, yeah, we, that was talking about the Jewish law. We don't have to do that. But now we have to do this law. Yeah. No, we, it's faith alone and Christ alone. That's the gospel that Paul preached. And that's the gospel that we should believe and the gospel that we should preach. 
is the finished work of Christ. It's, it's faith apart from works of law. And we can know, you know, in all through the scriptures, like they wrote these so that we may know. John writes his gospel so that we may know. You know, I did the very first sermon that I ever preached. I preached on Galatians 1 verses 1 through 10, and I named it No Other Gospel. It was a terrible sermon. My <laughs> first sermon was terrible. Like, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that I can preach that gospel again at some mm. point. But, you know, I quoted scripture, God's word does not return void. Right. Man, I made, I made that so much more than it had to be. I, instead of just preaching the word, I made a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> you know, and, and you're right. Really, whenever you read Galatians chapter one, what you are getting from the Apostle Paul, you are getting a gospel of grace. Mm-hmm. Whenever you speak to a Mormon, what must I do to be saved? Oh, we're saved by grace through faith. After, After all, you all you do. Mm-hmm. Is, there's always a but that follows it. And that but is a but to Christ. It basically is mooning Christ. It is basically, <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe that's not politically correct, but that's <laughs> what it's doing is it's it blasphemous to the finished work of Christ. That's what Paul is addressing there. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be anathema. Let him be damned. It's serious. You know, he's, he's using an extreme there. Uh, but even if we or an angel, should preach you a gospel contrary to when we preach. Let him be damned. Mm-hmm. This, this is serious, folks. This is the gospel. This is eternity. This is a very specific message that cannot be altered. And it is a message of grace alone through faith alone and Christ alone as declared by the scripture alone to the glory of God alone. Amen. That is why I, you know, the, the five, and I went back and forth on this. You told me that you like the name of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I went uh, I went back and forth for a while. I was like, do I change it? Because at first I started out as a 5S podcast. And then I was like, well, what does that S stand for? Okay, well, we're the 5 Solo podcast. Is because I am so sick of the gospel being watered down that whenever somebody sees our podcast, the 5 Solos podcast, on iTunes or on Facebook or something, I want them to know that this is not a watered down gospel, that this is a gospel that is preaching the absolute sovereign sovereignty and mercy of God in salvation. No watering down of that gospel message because it can't be compromised. It absolutely cannot. God uses the gospel through man to bring about the drawing of his elect. And you want to change that message? Yeah, I mean, Paul writes that, the, like we were saying before, the gospel is the power of salvation to all who believe. The power of God is salvation to all who believe, the Jew first, but also to the Greek. And that word power is dynamite. It's explosive. And he's saying the gospel is explosive. It's not our works. It's not what we do. It's the gospel of God that is the power. And, and you know, that's something I love about the gospel. I love it. I love it. All we have to do is proclaim it. Right. We proclaim it. God does the work from beginning to end, and he just uses the means of us, fallible human beings, preaching the word. We don't have to sell anything. Like, I hate sales. I've had sales jobs, and you have to sell and upsell and do this and that. No. I used to be a car salesman. Oh, man. (laughs) For two years, and I was a finance manager, I had to constantly sell. And, man, you want to talk about a business that will straight up test your faith. (laughs) But that's the beauty of the gospel is – we just go and proclaim it to all creation, Amen. and God does the work. And and that was uh, whenever – here's the thing is I have been wanting to street preach for a while now. And, you know, here's the thing is 
within the church, we need men who are transparent. We need men who are real. And here's the thing. Whenever it comes to doing that, I am a coward. Uh, is is I want to do it so bad. Like, mm. I have that desire, but the cowardice in me, I cannot bring myself to do it. And the reason is, and I have no problem at all confessing this, is that I'm scared that I am going to say something wrong or I am not going to have the perfect apologetic that I am going to get stumped rather than resting in the perfection of the gospel. Amen. Uh, and I, I have that same, that same thing going on with me. Like I feel called to street preach, called to proclaim the gospel in the open air. And that's actually how, how I met Andrew was uh, I contacted him because somebody told me that he's in Jersey and uh, he goes out in the street evangelism. And I went out with him like that following weekend after I just messaged him and we went to New York uh, Union Square, I think it was. And I just thought I was going to go and, and like watch them and just learn and maybe hand out some tracks. And they're like, hey, do you want to say some stuff? I'm like, uh, what do I say? And he's like, just just share your, share your testimony. And I preached for like five minutes and like, it was awesome. Like not many people were around. It was freezing out, but I got over that fear. But yeah, I, I, I shared that same fear of like, what if I don't know how to answer somebody? What if I, you know, say the wrong thing? But God uses that. Like yeah. he will use that. Yeah, and it's amazing how I can sit here and have a podcast dedicated to the sovereignty of God with the five solas, the five points of Calvinism, and I'm more consistent with an open theist than I am with the teaching of the reformers. And that <laughs> I do, and and honestly, that's that's what it is. Is is ultimately I'm not trusting in God's word to do the work of God, mm -hmm. and, and I, that's that's the flesh in me. Um, and here and here's the thing too is that in our community here too, and is that there is no one going out. There's absolutely no one, and we are in a incredibly heavy college town. I'm talking thousands of students here uh, between a military college as well as a liberal arts college, university. And the, the opportunity is there just to glorify God in the preaching of the gospel. And, you know, it's, it's something that, I, that me as the other Christian men in the area, we need to suck it up. We need to go out and fulfill the Great Commission. Amen. So, folks— this is this has been such an amazing episode. I've enjoyed this so much. Of course, we can unwrap everything in in mm -hmm. the time that we have, but folks, I want to give you assurance of your salvation right now. Is it's not my job to sit here and tell you, hey, you're saved. I don't hand out salvation cards to people. My job is to preach the gospel. I love standing behind the pulpit. I, uh, I'm aspiring to be a pastor right now. Uh, I have the chance to preach about once a month at the church that I'm at now. I'm being discipled by a very godly man. Um, and I'm thankful that he trusts me to stand behind that pulpit. And, you know, we have the same congregation week in, week out. That's fine. Occasionally we'll have a new person come in there. And even whenever I'm evangelizing to someone one-on-one, -on -one, it is not my job to sit there and to tell you, you're saved, you're saved, you're saved. My job is to tell you how to be saved. And as Daryl has said numerous times, that that is only through, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So how can we have that assurance of our salvation? Are you resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ? Are you resting in sola fide? That's what it all boils down to is you can say you can, you can say that that you have assurance because of this, this or that. But if salvation is only by faith alone, if you add anything to it, it's not sola fide anymore. 
Folks, the gospel is just quite simply that you are dead in your trespasses and your sin. You are in dire need of a Savior. And there is only one Savior. There is only one name given among men under heaven by which you can be saved. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is King. He went to the cross, suffered and died upon that Roman cross, became a ransom for many, died on that cross, laying down his life for his sheep, rose from the dead on the third day. Place your faith alone in this Savior, and you will be saved. Daryl, I just want to give you a, a platform really quick. You take as much time as you want. I've enjoyed the conversation. You've been so gracious. Had a great conversation with you and your wife uh, on Zoom a little bit ago. Didn't know that you guys were doing some of the work that you're doing. But I, I would like to give you a uh, just a platform just to um, discuss your ministry, discuss your podcast. How can we find you? That's the big thing there, right? Yeah, well, we're on we're on iTunes. What are we even doing here podcast? You can also go to what are we even doing here.com and we have it's like a, a WordPress site. We don't really interact with there. We're hoping to like start blogging, uh, but it's just a matter of finding time to to do that. Uh, but that'll link you to uh, our other like our podcast and our um, Twitter and our Facebook. Uh, but we're also on SoundCloud right now, but we're in the process of switching over to another carrier uh, and our podcast basically what we talk you know as a husband and wife just like what god's doing in our life we talk some current events and how the what the scriptures say about that how we are to go about life as husband and wife as family we uh, have done episodes on homeschooling we, we homeschool our daughter we're fostering a baby right now we're probably going to start doing some episodes about that whole process and you know things moving forward what's people might fear about doing the foster process. And we just want to encourage people uh, in their walk with Christ and encourage people who aren't believers to put their faith in Christ. It's all about him. It's all about the word of God. And that's exactly, we're trying to find out what we're even doing here. And where do we go for that? We go to God, we go to his word. And I look forward to doing more with you guys. Um, I actually, i brought up earlier that maybe we could even do a four-way conversation uh, because at, at this recording right now, and this, I mean, it's just providential, is mm -hmm. I had no idea that Daryl and his wife Karen were fostering. My wife right now is in a class so that we can get licensed to foster. And so I would love to get on and have a conversation with you guys at some point about yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. I, I believe Karen would be into that as well. <laughs> yeah. And I, and, and, you know, my, my wife might be a little nervous because she's never got behind the microphone. You know what, Shelby, I, I'm going to use a key word right here, uh, banana. Uh, if, if you actually listen to this podcast, I want to know what that key word is because I don't think you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Daryl, is there anything else that you would like to add uh, is regarding the preservation of the saints, the perseverance of the saints? I would just want to encourage believers out there, just study your scriptures, uh, know the word of God, be encouraged that, you know, God doesn't leave us without his witness, without, he doesn't save us and say good luck. He saves us because he saves us to the end. And if you're not a believer, the gospel, you heard the gospel on this podcast. You, you hear it every time Five Solas is on. James presents the gospel to you and we just pray that your heart gets taken from the heart of stone and be made into a heart of flesh that you can repent and believe good news of Jesus Christ. That's, that's Jesus lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose again, and the call that goes out is repent and believe. Change your thinking from your rebellion against the God you know exists and put your faith in Jesus Christ. I love that. A little bit of presuppositionalism mixed in with it. Love it. Well, it, it it's, you know, all, all the uh, James White, Dr. James White that I listen to. So 
Presop and all the Apologia guys and that. So <laughs> you know, it, it's amazing how it, it was almost like I didn't even really do any study on presuppositionalism, and it was like I was converting into that apologetic method. So, <laughs> and of course, I've done more study on it ever since, and I'm like, I love this presuppositional stuff. Right there, Romans one. That's it. It's right there. That's <laughs> it. That is that is the meat of it right there. So, folks, I'm going to give a quick rundown. I know this has been a little bit of a longer episode than usual. I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'll, I'll, you know, we usually try to keep around 30, 45 minutes, but you know, whenever you have something this deep, you got to go a little long. So, I'm just going to run through these five points really quick. Total depravity. Man is in bondage to sin. In mind, will all areas are totally affected, not utterly depraved. Not as bad as we can be, but we're as bad off as we can be. We are dead in trespasses and in sin. We're all fallen in Adam. And as a result of this, we are totally unable. We are not able to come to Christ on our own accord. Unconditional election. God in eternity past, based purely on his sovereign decree, not conditioned by any foreseen action by us. That's a big one. Chose a people to be saved according to the purpose of his will. I point you to the book of Ephesians. Limited atonement. Christ enters into humanity. He suffers and dies upon the cross. His sacrifice is a definite atonement in that it accomplishes the very purpose it was intended to accomplish, to pay the penalty for all of God's elect, and not one drop of blood was wasted. Christ laid down his life for his sheep. Irresistible grace, God in time, draws his elect. He regenerates his elect. He is completely sovereign in this act, and those whom God has chosen to save in eternity past, those he unconditionally elected, will be saved through this effectual calling. When God moves to save a sinner, God's will be done. Suck it up, almighty man. He is the potter, you are the clay. Mm -hmm. Perseverance of the saints. Those that were once by nature children of wrath, chosen by God, purchased by Christ, regenerated by God the Holy Spirit, will be preserved by God and will persevere until you draw your last breath and you enter into glory with your Lord, with your King, with your Savior, Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I urge you to please give Daryl and Karen Updike, give their podcast, What Are We Even Doing Here?, so that's a question we have all struggled with. And I love your intro, that you might not have all the answers, but you know where to look. Amen. There you go. That is the sufficiency of Scripture. Daryl, I thank you so much for coming on with me. I hope we can do this a lot more. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Well, guys, this has been James Watkins of the Five Souls Podcast, Daryl Updike of the What Are We Even Doing Here Podcast. We will see you next week, and may all that you do be done to the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria. We hope you enjoyed that interview and that you were educated and edified and encouraged. If you're a Christian out there and now you know a little bit more about the doctrines of grace and preservation or perseverance of the saints. And definitely there's a lot of great resources out there. Ligonier Ministries is great if you're interested in Reformed Theology as well as uh, Apologia Studios. I learned a lot from them. And keep listening to the Five Souls Podcast and all the other great podcasts on the Christian Podcast community, The Rap Report, Theology Gals, and many other great podcasts. Next week, we'll be back with Karen and some more of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. So have a great week. Continue to seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace.
<laughs> and, I, and I'm sure that we're going to work in flying demon babies at some uh, point. Of course, of course. 